I love being outdoors and going on backpacking trips. Camping just doesn't cut it for me unless it involves miles of hiking. So, when I heard that there's an active treasure hunt worth $2 million buried somewhere in the Rocky Mountains, I started digging. I have some advice for, for anybody that's searching for the treasure or, or anyone that goes into the mountain in the wintertime or into the desert in the summertime. You need to be prepared. This is Nightline. Tonight, deadly treasure. It's the thrill of the chase. There's a treasure chest somewhere in the Rocky Mountains that could be worth as much as $5 million and it was hidden by this man. Well, across the country in the Rocky Mountains tonight, we'll meet people on an actual treasure hunt. The hunt for a treasure chest said to contain millions of dollars worth of gold may have claimed its third victim. Adventurers scouring the Rocky Mountains for a chest said to be filled with millions in riches. 31-year-old Eric Ashby went missing last month while searching for the treasure that art dealer Forrest Fenn claims to have hidden in the Rocky Mountains. Since news first hit about the treasure, more than 65,000 people have gone looking for it. Climbing mountains, trekking over hills, scouring through canyons, wading riverbeds, and surviving other treacherous terrain. Many of these people, these real-life treasure hunters, have dedicated their lives to solving the riddle that might lead to this treasure these would-be conquistadors were compelled to face life-threatening obstacles after reading a set of clues buried in a poem. They have started their quest for their own modern versions of El Dorado because of an eight-stanza-long poem published by retired art dealer Forrest Fenn in his autobiography called The Thrill of the Chase. Fenn claims that his poem contains clues that lead to a $2 million treasure that he buried himself somewhere in the Rockies in 2010. There's even been extensive media coverage about Fenn's treasure, from articles in GQ, Esquire, and Outside Magazine, my personal favorite, to interviews in various news outlets, including ABC Nightly News. People, this is a modern-day search for buried treasure, which I have a hard time believing because when I think of treasure hunts, I think of something like this. Maybe I spent too much time at Disneyland as a kid, and probably as an adult. I don't know. But what I do know is that when I think of Bear Treasure, I don't think of a mediocre poem that goes like this. As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where, and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down. Not far, but too far to walk put in below the home of Brown. From there it's no place for the meek. The end is ever drawing nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease. But tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answers I already know. I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you've been brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. This poem was first published in 2010. And since then, many have tried and many have failed to find the treasure. Four men have even died looking for this thing. And we'll talk about their deaths later. But first, how did this thing start? 
There's a whole subculture that surrounds this treasure, and I get it. It's alluring. Many people are downright obsessed with it. Outside Magazine even published an article in 2015 by Peter Frick Wright that profiled an ex-cop from Seattle named Daryl who had made finding the treasure his life's purpose. Daryl even communicated regularly with Forrest Fenn via email about his various attempts to solve the poem's clues and find the treasure. So how did a poem published by an octogenarian become a small-scale internet phenomenon? To understand the phenomenon, I tracked down the preeminent source of all information regarding Forrest Fenn, Dale, who happens to run the most visited blog or website dedicated solely to the treasure hunt. I came back again to Santa Fe to do some uh, video interviews with Forrest. He, uh, he agreed to allow me to interview him. And so we sat down and we recorded a series of interviews um, with him uh, about, about his life, not necessarily about hiding the chest, but it was stuff I thought that folks could use to, to understand a little more about Forrest, to understand how he thinks, how he tells stories, how it, what his sense of humor is like, things that would help people understand the poem. And, and then I needed some place to put those, and I just didn't want to put them willy-nilly on YouTube. I wanted something more organized than that. So I, did, I, I started the blog and posted them on the blog. And uh, they were quite successful. And when we put the blog up, I, I decided, you know, what I'm doing here is sharing information. And what the heck, this, that's what this blog ought to be about, is sharing information. You know, uh, I'm not going to be the only person frustrated with this poem, trying to figure it out. And maybe, you know, group think will help. So that was what we did. Something I noticed about the online community that surrounds the Forest Fen treasure hunt is that when you look at the treasure hunters, they're not your typical Redditors or Facebook groupies. These people are not Insta-famous or consumed by the pretenses of social media. These people are the salt of the earth. They care less about facades and more about their next possible treasure hunt solves. Here's Dale giving us the lay of the land about the online community that surrounds the treasure. I mean, there are different people, there are different blogs out there and different forums and different websites. They each have their followers and some folks follow all the blogs and websites and forums. Some people only fall into one particular blog or another um, just because they like the tone and they like the folks that are there. But generally, the searching community is a community. And we do things. We get together once a year for this uh, this event called the Fenbury, which is held at Hyde State Park near Santa Fe so that Forrest can come to it. And he has in the past come every year to it. And, and of course, that sort of galvanizes the crowd. They all gather around Forrest and ask questions and have him sign his sign books and and sign napkins and anything else they can <laughs> they can bring along. He, people get together uh, from the same area, like for instance, the folks around Colorado get together in the middle of winter and they meet in a restaurant or a bar and they sit down at a table, maybe twenty or thirty folks, and and they talk. They talk Forrest Fenn. They talk about the treasure. They talk about their failures. They try to. Uh, you know, figure out, well, if, if I screwed this up, maybe somebody else got this part right. And so let me listen to your story 
and let me see if that rings a bell with me. Uh, you know, and, and so that's what it's about. And folks also talk about the adventures. I mean, lots of folks have had small and wonderful little adventures while, while out looking. A lot of folks are folks from the city, and they never ventured out to the mountains before. <laughs> a lot of people are afraid to go looking because they're afraid of things like bears or mountain lions, and they, they don't want to go looking by themselves, and so they're looking for somebody to go with. Um, and all kinds of things like that and reasons. And some people are just wonderful t- storytellers and other people just listen. And, and, and it's just a lot of fun to get together and drink a beer and talk a forest fan. And part of that happens on the blog, but it also happens in person. And this community is a close-knit community. When the first person to go missing while looking for the treasure was reported... They rallied and helped look. The the sheriff gave up looking for Randy after a while. uh, And so the searchers organized their own search to try and pick up where the sheriff had left off. And then Forrest got involved and he rented a helicopter to go look for him. He rented a small plane first and that didn't work out and then rented a, a helicopter and they went looking for Randy. Uh, several trips for spent quite a bit of money uh, in trying to locate Randy. This was uh, right after he was, right after uh, he, he disappeared his and his dog and the raft were found. There was still a chance that Randy could be along the river somewhere lost or, you know, hold up somewhere. And, and so that's what Randy, that's what Forrest was trying to do was locate him alive. Three other men died while looking for the treasure, and Forrest Fenn is staunch in his stance that treasure hunters take responsibility for their own lives. Despite many appeals for Fenn to call off the treasure hunt, he has refused. The idea of a treasure hunt, a modern day search for Eldorado here for the taking, is attractive as hell. However, I tend to be skeptical at best and cynical at my worst. I'm sure that my wife, the love of my life, would have something to say about my nature. My name is Blair Figari. That's my new name, because I just married you. I'm from Texas. I am Texan, even though my driver's license doesn't say that anymore. Would you describe me as cynical? Yes, I would describe you as cynical. (laughs) On our first date, You ordered a coffee, and the waitress asked if you wanted room for milk, and you said, no, I want it black, like my soul. And I did laugh, but I think it was more because I was nervous than because I thought it was funny. I I sensed a lot of truth in that. Every time I'm watching The Bachelor. That doesn't count. That does count. Because I know it's scripted, but you don't have to say that every time anything happens. When we were falling in love, and you said you just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, that it just seemed too good to be true. And now we're married. You were so cynical, but we got through it. (laughs) Now you accepted that it it was true. (laughs) Because of my cynical nature, as my wife would say, and I quite agree. I wanted to know as much about Forrest Finn as I could before looking for the treasure. A sort of know thy enemy approach to this thing. 
Lucky for me, Ben has written several books. My first stop was The Thrill of the Chase, Fenn's autobiography where the treasure map of a poem was first published in 2010. So I bought the book, and I read it. Twice. The book gives you insight into this man's life, and he's lived a lot. Let me give you some of the highlights. The stars at night are big and bright Ben was born on August 22nd, 1930, in a place called Temple, Texas. Ben joined the Air Force and served for 20 years. Ben even flew in Vietnam where he was reportedly shot down twice. After his service in Vietnam, Ben moved to Santa Fe and started an art gallery where he made his fortune. According to Fenn, he was diagnosed with cancer in 1988. Fenn decided that he would take a chest full of gems, gold coins, and other rarities and trek out to the woods. He would bury the treasure and then end his life nearby. He intended to leave the treasure as his legacy. However, Fenn survived his cancer scare and waited for 20 years to follow through with his plan and bury his treasure. In 2010, Fenn ultimately published his autobiography, The Thrill of the Chase, which was the first public acknowledgement of the alleged treasure. The idea of the treasure is enthralling to me for two main reasons. The first, I'd love to find $2 million. Who the hell wouldn't? The second, I love backpacking and I wish I could spend more time doing it. I could justify taking time off of work to backpack if I had a $2 million salary waiting for me to uncover. Before I sojourn out to a desolate trail somewhere in the American Rockies, I have some questions that I want to answer. The first question is, is this treasure even real? This whole thing could be a hoax. I want to be able to prove the existence of the treasure in a court of law. So what would it take to do so? To get a better read on this, I turned to my own sister, Barbara Figatti, who is an accomplished lawyer who has won many, many cases against companies that are all household names. question to you is what would it take to be able to uh, prove the existence of the treasure in a court of law? Like, is that even possible? Like, what would that take? It does not have to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. That's a criminal law standard. So in civil court, to prove the existence of something, you need to prove it by the preponderance of the evidence, meaning more likely than not true. And I would go about proving it by taking their statements under oath um, or getting affidavits from people, getting written. They're also statements, but they'd be written statements under oath versus a deposition, which is an oral statement under oath. I would want pictures of the treasure, um, his travel records for when he claims to have buried it. Um, is there you know, a gas station receipt or something you know, his credit card activity. Um, I would ask for his, if, if that's the case, I would ask for cell phone activity. I would ask for credit card activity. I want to know his travel records. Look for those kind of records to see where he was at. Jet radar is pretty well tuned. Um, if, you had to, if you had to do odds on this, you know, just off the cuff, you think he's full of it? You think it exists? You think it doesn't exist? Like, What's your what's your opinion of it? And I realize this is strictly an opinion, you know. Um, 
okay, so I've gone back and forth on whether he's full of it. And um, I think that there is, there's a, there's a kernel of truth there somewhere. So to me, I think that he buried something. I don't know if he buried, you know, $2 million worth of something, but I think he, he has hidden something. And at this point, I think it's, um, I think it's enjoyable for him to watch people go out and, and try to find it. At the same time, I think it's also motivated a lot of people. There's a lot of like families that are super involved in this and it's gotten people to engage and have a family activity that, or a fun activity with, with their friends or, you know, whoever, but it's gotten people to go exploring. And so if that was his point was to get people exploring the country, then I think he hit it out of the park. Um, I do think he he at least started with something. I don't know if, if the actual magnitude of the treasure is what he claims it is. I think that's more where the bullshit may lie. Um, I think even if he did bury all of it initially, I think he's maybe gone back to retrieve some of it. Um, I know there's been issues like he's had some legal issues, like with um, I know the FBI like raided his house um, claiming he stole antiquities and everything. So lawyers are expensive and I think he may have gone back and gotten some of the treasure to perhaps pay some legal bills, but I think there's something buried. I just don't, I don't think it's the, the $2 million or the, the huge treasure that he's claimed it is, at least anymore. Now that I have more of a grasp of how to prove the existence of the treasure in a court of law, that leads me to the next issue. The second question I have to answer before I go looking for the treasure is less concrete. I want to know, who is Forrest Venn? I don't just mean facts like date of birth, service record, and profession. I want to know what drives Forrest Venn. What makes this man get out of bed every morning? He's lived many lives. In his interviews and in his writings, he comes off as a down-home, no-bullshit kind of guy. He's plain-spoken and presents himself as very matter-of-fact. Yet everything I know about his life alludes to someone who is cunning and sharp. You don't survive being shot down twice and build an independent and lucrative business in the art world based solely upon down-home charm. There has to be more to Fenn than meets the eye. If I can answer these two questions, I think that we can find Fenn's treasure. So, on this podcast, we're going to seek to answer these two questions. And we'll start with, who is Forrest Fenn? Where the Treasure Lies is written and hosted by me, Michael Figati. All of our music is original and composed by Josue Arias. Our producers are Blair Figati and Josue Arias. We have a special thanks to Christian Makoto Hancock. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get yours. And most importantly, if you have any information about Forrest Fenn or his treasure, please reach out to us via email at treasurepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.